Hello, my Rebels. Today I take you through three Canadian provinces, Ontario, Quebec, and Alberta, to show you how the lockdowns in each province are actually, I think you could say, the worst ever. Uh, abusive police in Calgary, unfortunately, that's no longer a shocking sentence to say. It's sort of the normal now. Doug Ford's insane lockdown, including on schools, but the worst of all, of course, is Quebec and their curfew, treating grown-ups like children, healthy people like the sick, and law-abiding people like criminals is quite something. I'll take you through those three instances today and show you some video of Pastor Arthur being arrested in another SWAT, SWAT team-style takedown. That's why I'd like you to get the video version of this podcast. Go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month. You get the video version of my daily show. I'd like you to see the videotape of his arrest on the street. It's shocking. It's outrageous. Go to rebelnewsplus.com and click subscribe. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, 2022 is off to a terrible start in Alberta, Ontario, and Quebec. It's January 3rd, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon yeah. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish is because it's my bloody right to do so. They said it would just be two weeks. It's almost been two years. And it's worse than ever, actually. 80%, 90% of people have actually taken the vaccines far more than necessary for herd immunity, as it's called. Frankly, many of the remaining holdouts um, are holding out because they have already got sick and have strong natural immunity. Why would you take a vaccine after that? Especially when the vaccine's proponents are admitting the obvious. They're not really working as vaccines. They don't stop you from getting it. They don't stop you from passing it on. We didn't have vaccines that block transmission. We got vaccines that help you with your health, but they only slightly reduce the transmissions. We need a new, a new way of doing the vaccines. The Omicron variant seems to be spreading like wildfire, but also seems to be about as harmless as the common cold. In almost every jurisdiction in the world, the graph looks the same. The number of cases is skyrocketing, but the number of deaths is not moving. It's even declining. People are waiting in line for hours to get a test to see if they have it. Stop and think about that. If you're not feeling sick, and if you got it from or passed it on to someone else who won't feel sick, why is it important to be tested? And are you really that sick if you can spend hours waiting in line with other people? For what? Is this about some sort of status? I think that's what it is for some people now. It's their whole identity. On social me media, people wear masks or masks and goggles to show how Puritan they are, even though masks don't actually work. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it, because people are listening really no, closely to this. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. Oh, thanks for telling us now. 
But the two years of mask theater was just obedience training, conditioning us to accept violations of our personal space, our bodily integrity. Once you accept two weeks and then masks, what won't you accept? Here's a story in Reuters. Israel is on their fourth shot now. Hey, if you have to take a shot four times in one year and you're still getting sick, you can't really call that a vaccine, can you? It may be something, but that's not what a vaccine does. But really, people did what they were told. They suffered, not the fancy people. Here's Jeff Bezos, the boss of Amazon.com, who doubled his wealth because all of the mom and pop shops he competes against were shut down by politicians, so everyone had to buy things online. Look at him, the new royalty, and look at his servant wearing a mask, bowing her head slightly. That's master and servant. <laughs> Here's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the New York Democrat congressman who supports a hard lockdown in her hometown of New York. But there she is partying in Miami with her boyfriend. Just hitting the party scene, you can't do those things in New York. They're being shut down or subject to vax passports. She rules New York, but she parties in Florida and mask-free, even as she condemns Ron DeSantis for his COVID policies. Omicron is much ado about nothing. Actually, it's better than that. It's a kind of natural inoculation if it gives you natural immunity, and if it doesn't make you really sick, isn't that a big win? Protects you against the Delta variant? Dr. Robert Malone, inventor of the mRNA vaccine, is a skeptic of Pfizer and lockdowns. He was censored by Twitter, so he went on Joe Rogan's podcast, The Biggest in America. Here's one of the things he had to say. It's from basically European intellectual inquiry into what the heck happened in Germany in the 20s and 30s. You know, very intelligent, highly educated population, and they went barking mad. Um, and how did that happen? Um, the answer is mass formation psychosis. When you have a society that has become decoupled from each other and has free-floating anxiety and a sense that things don't make sense, we can't understand it, and then their attention gets focused by a leader or a series of events on one small point, just like hypnosis, they literally become hypnotized and can be led anywhere. And one of the aspects of that phenomena is the people that they identify as their leaders, the ones typically that come in and say, you have this pain and I can solve it for you. I and I alone, okay, can fix this problem for you, okay? Then they will lead, they will follow that person through, it doesn't matter whether they lie to them or whatever. The data are irrelevant. And furthermore, anybody who questions that narrative is to be immediately attacked. They are the other. <clears throat> this is central to mass formation psychosis. And this is what has happened. We had all those conditions. If you remember back before 2019, everybody was complaining, the world doesn't make sense, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we're all isolated from each other. We're all on our little tools. We're not connected socially anymore, except through social media. Um, and then this thing happened and everybody focused on it. That is how mass formation psychosis happens. And that is what's happened here. Wow, I think, I think he's right, or at least uh, I'd like to think about whether or not he's right. But I'm not allowed to because he's banned from Twitter and his videos have been banned in other places too. And when Dr. Malone used that phrase, mass formation psychosis, I'd never heard of that before, 
I guess a lot of other people didn't either because it became the number one search term, trending term in America. So Google literally stepped in in real time and changed their algorithm to force negative search results to be the top of their search index when people Google that as a negative towards Dr. Malone. They're forcing you to read criticisms of Dr. Malone, not to see what he had to say himself. Now, Dr. Malone might be right or he might be wrong, but the idea that some social media intern in San Francisco, I don't know, with a degree in gender studies or whatever, is in a position to censor leading scientists is shocking, but it's no longer surprising, is it? Silence skeptical voices, including experts, and then declare that the scientists are unanimous be yeah, because you silenced the skeptics. I think people are wising up, at least some people, though, especially people who went along with things because they're so agreeable. Good people are agreeable, aren't they? Or because they were forced to go along with things on pain of losing their job or their freedom or both. 80%, 90% compliance. Few things have that high rate of compliance in our society. People did what they were told, but now the authoritarians aren't keeping their end of the bargain. You know, people were told, get double vaxxed or triple vaxxed or quadruple vaxxed, and you'll be able to fly and go to restaurants and gyms and movie theaters and malls and keep your job. We'll keep the dirty, unvaxxed people out, the clean people only allowed in. But look at Doug Ford's new rules for Ontario today. Rules that apply to the obedient people with four shots, not just the dirty dissidents. No indoor dining in the whole province. No sports, except for, excuse me, professional athletes who can lobby politicians. And of course, athletes preparing to go to Communist China's Olympics. Your kids, though, no sports for them. No school for them either. Just isolation, spending more time on their computer, taking class by Zoom. Yeah, that's good for kids. Eh? No sports, more screen time. We're coming up on our third year of this now. I have to laugh, though, all of those punishments for the people who are obedient. They're being treated the same as dissidents were punished. No restaurants. People traded their freedom for security, but surprise, they got neither in the end. Ontario is awful, but Quebec is worse. Lockdowns, including the infantilizing curfew. How is not straight out of a dystopian nightmare? And what is the science behind it? At 10 p.m. sharp, does the boogeyman come out at night? And then does he go back to sleep at 5 a.m.? What's the science on that? 9.59 p.m., you're safe. One minute later, 10 p.m. sharp, you're a threat or you're at under a threat? I don't know. Even if you're triple vaxxed and are healthy? What is this other than a tyrant trying to demoralize you? Trying to test how obedient you are trying to find out if you have any limits. There are no limits in Canada, none that I've seen. Who has pushed back? Has anyone? I saw this story. 
Manitoba cabinet minister who refused to discuss vaccine status dropped from cabinet. Good for him for taking a stand. But you know what? I'm actually not impressed. He stayed silent until now. He was part of the cabinet that abused Manitobans, really, for years. Some of the strictest rules in the country, he didn't object. He enforced them on others. He didn't say a peep. He only objected for himself. And he was thrown out. He was a coward when it came to protecting us. I am not impressed by him. So how far will these people go? Well, I don't know. We're a liberal country, right? Pretty happy place. We're a little bit like, oh, I don't know, Amsterdam. You know, that progressive city in the Netherlands. Yeah. Here's a shot of Amsterdam over the weekend. This is all for your health, by the way. Well, that would never happen here, right? I mean, we have a social contract, an agreement amongst ourselves as a society that we don't treat political dissidents that way, do we? Yeah, well, about that, here's Justin Trudeau. We on va s'en sortir de cette pandémie par la vaccination. Puis on sait, on en connaît tous des gens qui sont en train d'hésiter un petit peu. On va continuer d'essayer de les convaincre. Mais il y a aussi des gens qui sont farouchement opposés à la vaccination. Qui sont extrémistes. Qui croient pas dans la science, qui sont souvent misogynes, qui sont souvent racistes aussi. C'est un, un, une petite, un petit groupe, mais qui prend de la place. Et là, il faut faire un choix en tant que leader, en tant que pays. Est-ce qu'on... Est-ce qu'on tolère ces gens-là ou est-ce qu'on dit, ben voyons, la plupart des gens, presque 80 % des Québécois, ont fait ce qu'il fallait faire, se sont fait vacciner, on veut revenir à, à, aux choses qu'on aime faire, c'est pas ces gens-là qui vont nous bloquer maintenant. That's manifestly insane if you don't want to be jabbed, if you have a medical objection or your conscience opposes it or it's simply nobody's business but your own. Why, why are you racist? What's race got to do with it? By the way... Uh, black people have the lowest vaccination rate, and they're racist. That's what Prime Minister Blackface has to say. Or misogynist, as someone who hates women, really. Actually, a great number of vaccine skeptics are women who are concerned about their health, their reproductive health, the health of their children. Here's uh, a story in McLean's magazine, which receives huge bailouts from Trudeau. They say the government's own polling shows the typical vax-hesitant Canadians of 42-year-old woman in Ontario who votes liberal. She's a racist sexist now, is she? Well, Trudeau doesn't actually mean it. His purpose is to demonize, denormalize, marginalize, dehumanize his opponents. He'll do anything. And then maybe the dog attack comes later, really. Who would speak out against that? Last month, when Trudeau's bodyguards beat up our own David Menzies for daring to ask about Trudeau going to a Christmas party when he told citizens not to, Not a single media outlet cared about David being assaulted. Actually, that's not quite true. Global News' David Aiken cared. He said David Menzies deserved it. That's how much he cared. He was angry at Menzies for being beat up. So yeah, no one will care. Mass formation psychosis. And by the way, look at this from Calgary this week. In Calgary, once the freest city in Calgary, I mean Canada, in the freest province, whose motto is strong and free. This is Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky. And he asks my uncle to get out of the vehicle and talk, have a conversation with him behind. So mm-hmm. I immediately know what that means. They're arresting him. Uh, I, I immediately got my phone, started recording, and then 
the police off one of the police officers says uh, does uh, calls on the radio does Archer have conditions on him uh, the answer was yes on the call and he said okay grab him too and then I was arrested as well and the charges are I was told breach just I guess in a new behind the iron curtain in China the you're not allowed to voice your dissatisfaction with the wicked, evil, lying, deceiving, corrupted government official anymore because that's illegal, unacceptable, and punishable to the fullest of the law. I was handcuffed, arrested for breach, for mischief, and for obstruction. What did he do? Well, the cop said he is a criminal. No criminals to catch today, hey? Just, just no, a pastor. Yeah? He's a criminal. Pastor. You know what his charges were? You call that crime? For opening church? Wow. Yes? Yeah. Wow. The state of our police. My God. Yeah, except for Pastor Arthur has never been charged with or convicted of any crime. He was found in contempt of some health order because... He kept his church open when Walmart and Costco were open. And he doesn't have lobbyists like they do, so the government picked on him and not them. He's not a criminal. That cop is a liar. But apparently so is the Premier of Alberta. Jason Kenney tweeted this yesterday. He said, Albertans have a right to protest peacefully. That right does not extend to trespassing private homes and harassing the families of public officials. And... Uh, he said as a follow-up, unfortunately, this is not the first time that fringe anti-vaccine conspiracy theorists have tried to intimidate government officials in this manner. I am sure that the vast majority of Albertans reject this kind of extremism. Except none of that is true. Arthur and David Pavlovsky were indeed arrested, but they were not charged with trespassing or intimidation. Uh, they didn't go on anyone's property. They didn't talk to anyone. They were on a sidewalk. They were on a public street. They were not violent. I spoke to Arthur's lawyer yesterday who said that at the bail hearing to get the brothers out of jail, neither the police nor the prosecution mentioned anything about trespassing. What's Kenny talking about? And though Arthur may have opinions about the vaccine, I'm guessing it's more accurate to say he has an opinion about forcing a vaccine on people than the vaccine itself. To call him an extremist or a conspiracy theorist is, is something <laughs> Frankly, you'd expect to hear from Trudeau, not a supposedly freedom-loving conservative. Arthur was convicted of contempt of court for one reason. He kept his church open for 70 minutes, an hour and 10 minutes, during the last lockdown in Alberta when the state told him to close. That, that, that's it. Nothing to do about vaccines, nothing about violence, no crimes. He just wanted the same rights that Costco and Walmart had. I don't know if he's a conspiracy theorist. I haven't heard one from him. But the three shocking arrests of Arthur, twice on the highway like he's El Chapo, being dragged out of the car onto a street by a SWAT team, and once when he was raided as his plane landed at the Calgary airport, that's not normal policing. And indeed, that kind of spectacle creates a conspiracy theory. What's going on here? And when a sitting premier tells the world his opinions about people facing a trial, Arthur and his brother are facing trial, but now the courts know that the premier wants police to do certain things, and there's an expectation, you heard the premier, 
you heard the cop, he's a criminal, though he hasn't been convicted of anything. That's tampering with the court system. That's Trudeau kind of stuff. That's telling the police to arrest your enemies and telling the courts to convict. Yeah. January 3rd, and it's the worst ever. Stay with us for more. I know, come on, you know you'll get stuck on Nazi. You're sick, you know that? You... Hey, don't resist. I don't no, he's not resisting. I... Stand up. He's... No, I'm not Stand resisting. You are a Nazi, do it the Stand Nazi up. style. Stand up. You're not. What? Uh, we want to stand up, but you want to lay down. He did that himself. Hey, I have a question for you. I've uh, was a lawyer before. I did a little bit of criminal law work, not very much. But, uh, of course, you don't need to be a lawyer or to practice criminal law to, to know something is wrong when 10 police cars and 20 officers swarm a Christian pastor, take him out of his vehicle on a snowy street in the night, pulling him onto the road. That's not normal. You don't have to be a criminal lawyer or a cop to know that's not normal. That's not normal policing. And that's the third time that's happened. The last time was when police grabbed him as he was on the runway at Calgary International Airport. The time before, another on-the-road takedown, like he was some drug kingpin being arrested on the run. That's not normal policing. Why would they do that to him? Is he a flight risk? Of course not. His family's there. He has no desire to leave. Why would they do that? They do that to humiliate and to deter. And you can see why Arthur uses the phrase Nazi and Gestapo, because they are using Nazi-like and Gestapo tactics. I'm not saying that they're setting up death camps. I'm saying the politicization of the police in this case is so palpable, it's shocking. Joining us now via Skype from Calgary is our friend Adam Sos, who has been covering the story for us all weekend. Adam, great to see you again. Um, you simply don't muster 10 police cars and 20 cops like that. And you don't do so on the say-so of a beat cop. That is handled at a higher order, possibly the chief himself. That simply doesn't happen naturally. I think that this is so clearly, I, it's so crazy to say that, but I think he's a political prisoner. Yeah, I, I, while I may have been apprehensive after, say, one arrest, um, two arrests stopping him as he arrives at the airport, comes the third arrest with all these officers clearly intimidating. To me, at this point, it seems apparent, and I would even dare propose that it's a step further than the captain of the police force. I would suggest at this point that Jason Kenney is very likely directly involved. And immediately a day following this, early in the morning, um, there was already a statement out by Jason Kenney saying that this simply will not be tolerated. So he was clearly aware of this. Um, this suspicious 
check stop that was coincidentally set up just a couple blocks away from a not a main road where you'd see a check stop, but from a residential area that was relatively enclosed, clearly yet another intimidation tactic directed from above. Um, the police insisted that this was just a standard check stop. Of course, nobody is buying that narrative. The great sort of irony here, or the, the, the utter richness of it, is Jason Kenney saying, well, people shouldn't be harassed at home. He's overstepped into every one of our homes saying who we can and can't be with, discriminated based on vaccine status. And then worst of all, he's encroached on worship spaces and repeatedly arrested Pastor Arthur Pawlowski, and he's trying to make an example out of the man. It seems more apparent than ever. And if there was ever doubt, this third arrest pretty much puts that doubt to bed in my mind. Yeah, you've raised so many interesting points. The first thing on the airport, I can imagine police swarming a plane on an airport if the plane is taking off to run away. This was this was Arthur coming back to Calgary. Why are you swarming the plane? He's landing. His wife is there w waiting to greet him. You're doing that for nothing but political reasons. Yeah, it's tough to have respect and trust for police anymore. You know, the other day I was rereading Sir Robert Peel's Principles of Policing. And for those who don't know, uh, he was a former British prime minister. He was really where they got the phrase of the bobbies from. He invented the modern approach to policing. And I can sum it up in one sentence. You police with the consent and support of the public. And every day you have to win the public over, not only to support you, but they, they become your eyes and ears on the ground. This destroys uh, Sir Robert Peel's principles of policing. It's so gross. Um, but I think you're right. It, it goes higher than the chief. When the premier of the province telegraphs that these are guilty men who have trespassed and intimidated people, when when the actual cops and prosecutors don't even say that, this is yeah. the premier of the province telling the justice system what to do. That ought to be cause for a mistrial. Yeah. Well, and it's I, I had the opportunity last night. We were up late. I waited for Arthur to get home. We got the word in the late afternoon that basically the bail hearing had, had proceeded and he would be out. Um, by the time I got together with Arthur and Pavlet, uh, David, rather, fresh out of their release, it was about nine o'clock. So uh, that video will be coming out shortly. But to your point earlier, uh, Pastor Arthur specifically spoke about the shift in policing that has taken place. And when he came to this country, he came from Poland and he came from Greece, where the police were corrupt. When he came to Canada, he could look at a police officer and believe that is a good man and that man is going to have my back. He deeply regrets because he's a person who very much respects police and wants them to be people that you can trust, wants his kids, his family to feel safe calling the police. He no longer has that impression of Canadian police. The damage that they have done is irreparable. And the mentality, fortunately, we've seen uh, Constable Brian Dennison and some other police officers starting to speak out, uh, but the mentality of this just following orders uh, and, and just being a good soldier only furthers to reinforce some of the terminology, as you said, that Archer's using. Just following orders is not an excuse for doing wrong things and for breaking your oath as a police officer. Yeah. I want to get back to Jason Kenney again for a minute. I mean, he and I used to be quite close, um, mm. and I and I knew, his, I, I, I knew his politics quite closely. I can't say mm -hmm. that's the case anymore. In his statement, you can see it here. He made this statement online. He calls Arthur an extremist and a conspiracy theorist. Now, I don't follow everything Pastor Arthur says, but I have not heard him engage in conspiracy theories. Maybe he does. I don't know. 
but I know that he wasn't arrested for a conspiracy theory. That's not an offense. He was arrested for keeping his church open, just like Walmart and Costco were open. And calling him an extremist, again, I, I'm not really sure what that means. I mean, keeping your church open during a pandemic, may, maybe that's extremism. But here's what I know, those la that language, you're trespassing. No, he wasn't. You're intimidating officials. No, no, he wasn't. Um, you're an extremist. I, I, I don't really think so. You're a conspiracy theorist. I haven't heard of one, but even if it's true, so what? This is the way that Justin Trudeau demonizes and denounces his opponents. And to hear that kind of language mm -hmm. coming from Jason Kenney, who himself has been called all these things, is shocking. And I don't know who's putting these words in Jason Kenney's yeah. head. Uh, maybe he himself has transformed and changed this. Maybe this is really him. I don't know who's feeding him information, but it's clear that the government of Alberta has a bee in its bonnet about Arthur Pavlovsky, and they're treating him, they really are treating him like an enemy of the state. I haven't seen this approach taken to any actual criminal, by the way. Yeah. Well, and that's what we said. We said, imagine if they had this sort of zeal towards drug dealers or pimps or human traffickers. That would be a sight to behold, uh, stopping people as they're landing at the airports, cutting them off. That would be something to see that most people would probably be on board for. I think there's a degree of projection going on here because all of these allegations, uh, trespassing, well, well, the government is the ones who broke into a church, violated criminal code section 2762, I believe it is, um, interrupted church in progress. Um, they're the ones who are trespassing. They're the ones who are intimidating with police helicopters flying over every time we do an interview and constant police harassment. They're the extremists. They're taking a pastor. They could get this guy at home. He's never resisted arrest despite his extensive history in boxing and, and mixed martial arts and all this. Arthur Pavlovsky's a man who can stand up for himself. He always goes in peace. He's never once been violent. Yet they're the extremists. They show up with 20 officers and SWAT teams yeah. and 10 police That's cars to make an example they are the extremists. Everything they accuse him of, they're doing. You're so right. And I want to emphasize that. I mean, um, we have a legal team, Chad Haggerty on the criminal law side, Sarah Miller on the regulatory law side. There's other lawyers, too. Sarah Miller has been representing Arthur Pavlovsky since April of 2020. So it's coming up on two years now. She's been to court time and again. She has written back and forth with the, the cops and the prosecution a hundred times, perhaps. They know her. They know her email. They know her phone number. They know her as a person. And for them to, rather than pick up the phone and say, hey, have Arthur come in, we got to charge him, which is actually how it often, often happens. For them to go out there with 10 cop cars and have a street side ambush, that is not police work. That is not how the process works. That is a shock and awe show of force. I have to say, that is a hallmark of a police state. And I never in my mm. life thought I would see that in Canada, let alone in Alberta, let alone in Alberta, overseen by Jason Kenney. I really can't believe what I'm yeah. seeing. Last word to you, Adam. You know, 
the amount of people who were maybe on the fence and hesitant on Pastor Arthur Pavlowski, um, maybe even on Pastor Tim Stevens, Pastor Jim Coates, some of these other people, people who have bought into the narrative now with this third arrest, this ongoing rhetoric from people like Justin Trudeau and Jason Kenney, who've almost sadly become interchangeable, this ongoing harassment. And furthermore, the fact that they continuously insist that people must adhere to the science when then themselves are denied denying self-evident statistics in front of them. I think what they're trying to do here, they're trying to make examples out of people like Arthur Pawlowski, but it's not going the way they intend. They are setting an example for people, and it's not that people should comply. It's that people should say enough is enough. I said this on the live stream today, and I'm going to keep saying it. The reason that people are looking to Pastor Arthur Pawlowski is because he speaks the truth and he's uncompromising. That is why he has drawn international attention. And the more that this government seeks to persecute him, the larger the platform he will have to speak from and get his message out. This is not going to end with you putting Pastor Arthur Pawlowski in prison. He will not back down. And thanks to all of our viewers and their valuable contributions at SaveArthur.com, Pastor Arthur has the backing to stand up and fight this fight. We're going to keep telling his story, and he's not going away. And I think it's about time Jason Kenney uh, accepts that and stops harassing pastors in Alberta. Yeah, and the way he's going about it, it's really counterproductive. I mean, I really think a mistrial is definitely a possibility when the premier is declaring a man guilty, frankly, of things he hasn't even been charged with. Um, I think that uh, they're used to pushing him around. I mean, patient zero in Arthur derangement syndrome was Nahid Nanshi, who persecuted him for 10 years. And Arthur sort of fought that off on his own. But thousands of Rebel News viewers are have really put together a legal dream team for Arthur. And I think uh, I think the province is just going down a really strange road. It feels like a Trudeau move, what they're mm-hmm. doing to this guy. I don't think it's going to end well for the province or the premier. I mean, they're certainly uh, punishing Arthur Pavlovsky, but I think that a guy with Christian principles like that, that's just, you know, that that's following the footsteps of previous Christian martyrs. I don't think you're going to break Arthur Pavlovsky by punishing him. I think you're just going to, like an egg, a hard-boiled egg. It gets stronger yeah. under heat. Very strange to me. Last word to you, Adam. I, I think I said that before, but then I yeah, you know, the last word. To the point, to your point, Arthur said, you know, when they stick him in that jail cell and he's on that cold concrete after being strip-searched and he's been through hell and he just says, can I have a mattress and a blanket? You know, he said that his bones his hips, his body ache as he sits on that cold concrete, even if it's one night trying to get through it is uncomfortable. But he said, while it may hurt, to your point, it just makes him stronger. It's like refining steel. You keep beating it and beating it, but it, it doesn't fold. It doesn't collapse. Um, they they don't realize that this is the Polish lion, Pastor Arthur Pawlowski, they're dealing with. Um, and you can stick him in a lion's cage. He's not going to stop being a lion. Yeah. Adam, thanks for covering this story and working over the Christmas, New Year's break and on the weekend. It's a very important story, and you just can't trust the other media to tell it to you straight. Great to see you again. Thanks, appreciate it. All right, there you have it. Adam Sos from our Calgary Bureau, who uh, spent the weekend, really, covering the story of the third arrest and imprisonment of Arthur Pawlowski. Stay with us. More ahead. Hey, welcome back. Your letters to me. Raids here says... The bureaucrats know this isn't as serious as they claim on TV because hordes of them fly to tropical paradise destinations while telling the little people to clamp down at home. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she's positively showing off. I mean, she's not in Miami in hiding. She's going to events. She's partying. I don't even think it's hypocrisy. I think it's, I'm above that. I think she regards herself in the elite ruling class like Nancy Pelosi, like Jeff Bezos. I don't even think it's hypocrisy. I think it's, no, 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 rules are for the little people. It's like Leona Helmsley. Someone with the Christian name Badass Canadian 666, I'm guessing your mama didn't give you that name. I'm guessing you changed your name. That doesn't sound like a name a mother would, would give a child. Says, has anyone from Rebel News ever thought about gathering up as many legitimate doctors as possible and doing a segment about where they're coming from? I can't recall ever seeing anything like that. And I feel like if you gathered as many professional doctors that are against mandates, it may have some really significant power to it. Well, I should tell you that over the course of the last few years, we probably have interviewed at least 10 doctors. Roger Hodkinson is the first that comes to mind. I, I think we've probably interviewed 10 or 20 doctors. We just don't do it all at once. Um, I'm starting to see some doctors speaking out on Twitter. Normally the Twitter doctors are the pro-lockdown ones who are just loving their moment in the sun. But I, I'm starting to see some changing tides online and in public opinion. I'm not saying that we're through this. I'm not saying that we're going to win in any way. I'm just saying I'm starting to see some cracks in the um, United Front. Robert DeWalt says, what is interesting is seeing history appearing to repeat itself in a certain country in the 1930s in order to go to the restaurant store, et cetera. Citizens had to show a nationalist card. Now we have to show a vaccine passport. Anyone else notice the parallel? Well, I didn't know what kind of cards you had to show in Nazi Germany, which is the country I presume you're referring to. I do know that the Jews had to wear a, a Star David and they had to do so across Europe in ghettos and they were ghettoized and, and there were the Nuremberg laws in Germany in 1935 and there was the boycott the Jews campaign. And we really are on the road to some of that. I mean, the vaccine passport is uh, a fancy high-tech way of doing the star, uh, the yellow star on your shoulder. What's so weird is that in Ontario and Quebec, where, th where the curfews and the lockdowns apply to everyone, even the people who jump through all the hoops for the government, they're being marginalized and, and, and banned from public life, even though they complied. And that may be their undoing, because a lot of people who went along with things because they're so agreeable might say, what is going on here? They lied to me. They tricked me. Their promises of how to fix this didn't come true. Um, I'm not saying that unvaccinated people are laughing at the, at the vaccinated people. A lot of people who got vaccinated chose to do so for good reasons or chose to do so under duress. And you can't blame someone for getting a jab to save their job or save other parts of their life. But it, there is a wicked irony to the fact that the jabbed, who took the jab to buy themselves access to the world, are now as shunned as the unjab. That's, that's a wicked irony. Folks, that's our show for today. Welcome back and Happy New Year to you, if I can say that after this disastrous report. Uh, let me leave you with a video by our friend Dre out in Vancouver talking to Canadian doctors going on tour to educate parents before getting their children vaccinated. So there you go, talking to more doctors. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. Keep fighting for, video, for freedom, and here's Dre's video.
after months of medical censorship happening to suppress information from doctors willing to speak out against the politically correct narrative when it comes to COVID-19. A grassroots movement has started to take its way and make waves across the province of British Columbia. It's called the Educate Before You Vaccinate Tour. And in this report, you're gonna hear from two of the main doctors who have been taking BC by storm. Drea Humphrey here with Rebel News, where we tell you the other side of the story on all things. And lately, for the last almost two years, that has been often about COVID-19, which means we've been a platform that has given a voice to medical opinions that have been smothered by big tech or even threatened by their own licensing bodies. But the Educate Before You Vaccinate tour is largely censored around the children. Now that vaccines for COVID-19 are available for children as young as five years old, and in British Columbia, I've done a report on why there is no age limit to how young a child can be before they get these vaccines without their parents' consent. You can find that at rebelnews.com. There are a group of doctors that have been going around place to place in British Columbia to educate parents and anybody who's wanting to listen. The tour has been organized by Carrie Simpson, the founder of Canadian Voters Association, and her and the main doctors, Dr. Stephen Malthouse, as well as Dr. Charles Hoff. You're gonna hear from both doctors in just a moment, but like I said, Rebel News brings the other side of the story and we're independent from government interests. And the only way we can keep on going, since we do not take any money from the federal government's media bailout is by donations and support from people just like you. So if you wanna keep us going, a fun way to do so is to do your shopping at rebelnewsstore.com. That's where I got this fun Christmas sweater, but there's lots of good stuff there for the Patriot at home or just to give as a gift for somebody else or what have you. So thank you for your support. Now let's hear from the doctors. Well, look at you two together, our freedom defending doctors. Uh, on the left side of the screen, we have Dr. Charles Hoff. And on the right side, we have Dr. Stephen Malthouse. Good to see you guys back at Rebel News. Thanks. Very nice to see you, Drea. Wonderful. <laughs> Now, you guys have been very busy lately. I've seen you on tour with um, some other familiar faces, really across uh, BC. It's called the Educate Before You Vaccinate Tour. Tell us a little bit about what you guys have been up to. Sure. Well, we, you know, when they started rolling out the five to 11 year old shots for kids, which are neither, have no, are neither beneficial, uh, not even needed, but have a lot of risks to them. We felt that we needed to get on the road and, and speak to the different communities in British Columbia and to anywhere else that can get a video of us speaking it, to give them some information which is coming from a reliable source. We find that the public health has not been doing that. They've been giving a lot of misinformation and what we think is outright propaganda toward for people to make those decisions. And so we felt that, well, you know, we can't sit behind a video screen. We need to go out and speak to the people face to face. And so yeah, Andrea, you know, 90% uh, of the population is now vaccinated with absolutely no reduction in all the restrictions and mask wearing and fear and propaganda. So clearly this vaccine rollout has failed completely. You know, we were initially told two weeks to flatten the curve. All these restrictions were supposed to be temporary. Here we are two years on 
and, and one year into the vaccine mandate rollout and it has been a complete failure because but, there is no reduction in restrictions and we just lose more and more personal liberties. But Charles, with regard to disease and trauma to society, they have actually flattened the curve, but they flatten it vertically. That's the problem. We thought they were going to flatten it horizontally, but no, because all the public health measures they rolled out from masking to isolation have been harmful. And we've known that for a long time, yet they're still rolling those things out. Double masking, distancing, limiting the number of people that can that can congregate. I mean, this is really against people's you know, rights and freedoms in Canada. And, and the only way you can combat it really is to stand up and just say no. So what would you say then to the people who say, okay, well, part of the reason is that now we're dealing with the Omicron variant and also the fact that the children are not uh, vaccinated, so they're spreading it. What would you say if that's uh, somebody's concern or response? Yeah, well, firstly, this vaccine does not work against the Omicron variant. So giving more of what didn't work the first time is absurd. Secondly, I mean, it didn't work against the Delta variant either. I mean, we all know so many fully vaxxed people who have had COVID. So clearly it doesn't work. So to give more of something that doesn't work is ridiculous. I mean, furthermore, the, the, this, these vaccines have now broken all records for the most dangerous vaccine in history. It, it is absolutely absurd that they're forcing people to take this ridiculously dangerous vaccine that is not effective and it is not safe and is not necessary, especially for children, because children are not vulnerable to COVID and they do not spread it the way adults do. So it is, it is absurd. This whole, all of the public health measures are, are just measures of power and control this is not about safety. This is about power and control. In British Columbia, you know, up to March 2021, we had no deaths under the age of 20. Mm -hmm. So why would we be giving anything that's risky to a child, particularly one that's generally they don't have symptoms? You know, three quarters of children uh, don't have symptoms of COVID when they get it, only one quarter. It's rare for them to be uh, really sick in the ICU and the deaths you can count almost on one hand if you can even find them. You know, we think there's 14 to 15 that died in Canada and many of as far as we know, all of them died with comorbidities. So a healthy child is at no risk. Studies came out, you know, in Malaysia, for example, that you could give uh, adequate vitamin D uh, supplements to people and you would reduce their risk to zero. So there's no reason to go after, after children with a risky product, mm -hmm. one in which we're still in an experimental phase and don't even know the ingredients of, when their, their, their danger from the natural disease, COVID disease, is zero. So why would you do that? Anyway, we're here to kind of pass out some of these facts for, for parents and for grandparents to help them make an informed decision. Well, um, we've definitely done a lot of reports that are indicating perhaps people are not getting informed consent when they're making these decisions. What about treatment? I mean, you talked about vitamin D. Um, there's a long history. We know that that's really good uh, in this type of situation, but what about treatments versus what we're seeing happening in maybe Florida? versus Canada. Can you guys speak to that? Are there any of them that you feel are really promising that should have been here? Well, I mean, vitamin D, as, as Dr. Malthouse has said, is it should be the absolute mainstay. I mean, that's what the government should have been handing out to everyone. I mean, literally, that is what should have been mandated. Everyone should be on vitamin D. You know, if, you act, if this was really about safety, that's what should have been mandated. 5,000 units each of vitamin D a day. Um, you know, that's what should have been handed out in the long-term care facilities and the old age homes. 
um, but but you know, um, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin are both really safe and effective antivirals, and and so the, the fact that the authorities refuse to recognize any antiviral treatment for outpatient therapy is absurd. They, they, they claim that they're keeping us safe, yet they withhold safe and effective treatment. This, is, this makes no sense whatsoever. If you look at just one, for example, let's look at ivermectin. You know, we have colleagues who've lost their work in the emergency department because they prescribe ivermectin for people who are not doing well with COVID. And these people re recovered beautifully, you know, even though they were over the age of 70. And yet we've been, we've been discouraged right across Canada from using early treatment with ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, inhaled steroids. There are lots of different ones which were shown to be effective around the world. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people have been cured uh, by using these. And the key would be to use it early if you can, because you know if you catch something early, it's less entrenched and much easier to reverse. So um, we think that public health has let everybody in Canada down. Now you mentioned to you know these mandates being based on you know propaganda. I know some of the governing bodies of outspoken doctors who speak against the narrative with COVID or nurses and stuff like that. You guys kind of get accused of spreading misinformation. So how are you able to combat that? And, and where are you guys with um, you know being able to practice that doc as doctors or maybe not being able to right now? Um, well, we're both we're both still licensed with our colleges. We're both registrants with the College of British, uh, College of Physicians and Surgeons of British Columbia. But even the colleges come out with policies uh, that are essentially what they're saying is you have to do what you're told and not do what you think is best for your patients. And we, of course, this goes against the Hippocratic Oath. If you see harm being done to your patient, um, Dr. Hoff has, has seen this in his own practice of people that were given the shot, not from him because he didn't give any of the shots, who were given these shots, you know, had adverse events which were remarkable and that no one seemed to know where they were coming from or what they were, why they were happening. But when trying to get some, some information, some guidance from the powers that be, including uh, public health, Bonnie Henry's office, et cetera, they essentially said it's all coincidence. And, um, and this is what we're up against. That is misinformation. This is not coincidence. When you have 50% of the injuries occurring within 24 hours, you know that this is temporally related and probably causally related to these jabs. And we hate to call them vaccines because we know they don't prevent you getting the infection or passing it on to anyone. So they have no way they can, they can induce herd immunity because they can't stop the transmission of the disease. That's the type of misinformation that we are combating. And so you guys are in Squamish, BC right now. I believe you're going out this evening and doing an, another, I don't know if you'd call it event perhaps. Uh, so tell us where you've been and how you're being perceived by the public. Um, is there anybody upset about you uh, doing these meetings? Well, we're not aware of anybody being upset, although there have been, uh, Castanet uh, put out a whole lot of misinformation about us to try and discredit us. But, but otherwise, we have just had overwhelming support. We started on Vancouver Island. We started in Victoria, then Nanaimo, then Powell River, then, then Cobble Hill um, near Duncan. Then we were to Kelowna and Sorrento and Kamloops and Penticton. And now, now we're in Squamish. 
So we have had literally overflowing in the, every indoor capacity that we, every, every indoor event that we've had has been filled to capacity. So we've had some outdoors because they are just, people are hungry for truth and they're sick of the misinformation that they're getting from public health authorities. And so they want to hear truth. And, and that is where we're, we're both trained to practice evidence-based medicine. And so we follow the evidence and we follow the science and, and we're trying to just educate people so that they can make an informed decision and, and have the real facts. We don't just say that it's based on science. We actually give the science to people and let them make up their own decisions. So, so far, what you have to do is, this, you know, uh, we're following the science. It's a bit of a catchphrase that often our public health people you know, proceed their talk about what they're going to do next to you, which is to make you wear a mask, lock you down, etc. But we give them the science. We let people make their own decisions. But what we feel is really important and why we've hit the road here is because they're coming after our children. And there's no reason for that except for, you know, putting them in harm's way. And, you know, really, this is what you expect of predatory behavior. You know, if a child is enticed with an ice cream cone in Nathan Phillips Square to come and have the shots without their parents' permission, without even having to tell the parents, I think this is what a predator would do. It's like luring them at the back of a car with a, with a puppy dog. So we're in the same situation. We see that something really bad is coming our way and we have to get out and protect our children. This is very important to us. So uh, that's the purpose of our going from community to community. And we're going to go up north, even though I hear it's cold up there. <laughs> yes. Well, and speaking of where you're planning to go, uh, where's the best place for people to find out? I'm not exactly sure when they're going to see this exact report so that they can keep up with you. Where should they go to find out that information? Well, there are a couple of places. You can go to um, uh, Carrie Simpson's Facebook, K-A-R-I, then Simpson, as you would expect, with a P. Go to her Facebook page that we'll have where we're going next. Um, we're, you know, it's really hard to get a venue here. That's part of the reason we've had some out, out outdoors ones. And we've had to put our long, <laughs> yeah, we've yeah. had to put our long johns on for those. But you know, even out when it's really, really cold, we have a tremendous number of people come out. We can't believe how, either how thirsty for information they are, or, you know, and also how resistant to the cold they are. But, uh, so we're going to be going up to Terrace next, and then we're going to go to 100 Mile House. Uh, sorry, then we're going to go to Smithers, and then we're going to work our way across and down. Uh, and we're going to visit as many communities as we can. We have to see these people eye to eye. We're not kooks. We usually have other doctors joining us uh, who are exactly on the same page. They've done their homework and they know exactly what we know, which is that these shots are, have no benefit to children. We can't even find a benefit for every, anybody in any age group, but they're certainly not beneficial for children or young adults or teens, and they potentially can create a lot of harm. So, Maybe we'll see you in Terrace. <laughs> Maybe. Well, always a great time talking to you guys. Um, I admire your ability to keep on going despite, um, you know, like some of the things you mentioned that are said against you. And uh, we'll keep covering the other side of the story here at Rebel News. Tired of the medical apartheid in Canada? Then go to fightvaccinepassports.com. Donate what you can to take up the fight to restore normalcy in Canada.